Glad to see you. Welcome home. This is your homecoming, by the way. If you didn't know it, this is your homecoming. Hey, I want to put out a little information for you because you need to know really quickly. May 7th, is we're going to have a women's conference. She can. May 6th. I said 7th, it's 6th. You can register online at livewithpurpose.church. And hey, 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 men, Mother's Day is coming up. By the way, we're leading into, so FYI, you don't want to miss Mother's Day. I guess if the, the conference is May 6th, then Mother's Day is May 8th. Hey, I'm on to something. Trying to help you out. Don't forget, but ladies, really get registered because it sold out quickly last year, and there's only so many seats we have in this space right now until, until God blesses us with more. But get registered. Registration is open. So there you go. I'm just warning you. I want to say hello to our online community who we've been building up. It's been, uh, it's been great. I met someone yesterday who's from Arlington, Virginia, said that they've been watching us every weekend. I want to say hi guys if you're watching. And every weekend here at Thrive, they just love what we're doing, what God is doing right here. And so uh, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for chiming in. You have the comments section on your social media site. Let us know that you're here. Give us a blast out, and we want to connect with you as well. And so I'm going to jump right into the message this Sunday. You know, happy Resurrection Sunday. Hey, this is, this is, this is the powerful, a very powerful day. This gives us everything that we have. May 6th, look at that. Isn't that beautiful? Man. Uh, so we're talking about the joy of enduring. The series we're ending today is a five-week series We've been talking about the last week of Jesus, and we started on a prior Sunday, which was considered Palm Sunday. Jesus rode in on the foal of a donkey, and he went on a donkey ride. And so he came in, and they laid down palm fronds, and they were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And then Sunday, Monday comes around, and that's when he, there's the parable of the fig tree, and he curses the fig tree, which is a symbol of Israel. And then that he also cleanses the temple. That's when we see Jesus cleansing the temple, and the temple is a sign of, of God's presence. It's a place that would point to us in the New Testament of God's presence is holy. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in that day, the, a physical temple was a place that's, uh, that the Holy Spirit would fill, God's presence would fill, and that's where people would meet. Well, they were using the temple for their own good, their own benefit. And in fact, they were so distracted with all the busyness, they weren't even recognizing the, 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 and honoring the presence of God. And sometimes we kind of related that to us. We get so distracted, as a, especially as American Christians, we get so distracted and uh, disoriented, and then we, we re- don't realize that we're distracted from the presence of God who's living inside of us in this temple. And so, and then Wednesday was a rest day, and he kind of pulled away, Jesus pulled away to about, the uh, theologians believe he moved two miles outside of town to his, one of his favorite places called Bethany. And uh, that's the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus, who we raised from the dead not long ago before that. And then Thursday is when we talked about the five table topics. We talked about five uh, directives that Jesus gave all of us who believe in Christ. And this was the Last Supper event. This is where we get communion, and we took communion last week. And then, as we know, Friday, Good Friday, not just a day off, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's a good Friday, the day off. It is more than that. And so that's when Jesus went to the cross. He laid down his life. No one took his life from him. 
the, the religious sect didn't take his life. The Romans didn't take his life. They were just playing a part of Jesus laying down his life for you and I. And so one of the things, in that, as Ali was saying, the worship leader here uh, was saying, and Jesus was like, his feelings were, God, Father, if, it, if it's your will, now take this cup from me. I really don't want to go through this, but I choose to because I love you. I love this people that's coming after me. I chose love. Jesus chose love. And so that was Friday. A lot of spiritual things took place Saturday that really give us a lot of benefit. And I want to give you a verse that explains that. That's Saturday where you think, well, he's in the tomb. But no, was he? Because he says he's doing some other things. In Revelation 1.18, he says, I, Jesus, I am. And this is Jesus appearing to the disciple John later after the resurrection, many years later, John, the disciple John, was exiled to the isle, isle, island of Patmos, and Jesus shows up in a revelation, not revelations, revelation, and Jesus shows up and he says this in 118, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, and then he gives himself a big amen. And I feel that because sometimes I'm preaching and everybody's just flat and I say, well, amen. I got to give myself an amen. Jesus had to give himself an amen. Amen. And it just goes a lot better when y'all just amen and hallelujahs and things like that. It's okay. Uh, and he says, and I have the keys of Hades and death. What he's saying is, listen, uh, death has no power for any, over any person who now believes in me. I have taken all authority back. What was given by Adam and Eve in the garden, the authority given over to Satan, I have now I have taken back that authority. I have defeated death, hell, the grave, Hades, and now it is all mine and my people's. That's where the power of the resurrection this day when the ladies showed up and they saw that the tomb was open, that was, that's the power. And I'm going to show you here, share some benefits with you from that. But first, can we pray? Father, we just thank you so much for this day. Thank you for, thank you for everything that this day means, that the power of the resurrection, the benefits that we get to have. And right now, we just bind up any deaf spirit and blinding spirit, and we just, we just release your spirit into this place that you open up eyes and ears spiritually, physically, so that your people can hear exactly what you would like them, you'd like to communicate to them individually and personally. And I pray that you just meet them right where they are with grace, love, truth, and mercy. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Can I get a good amen? Come on. And so we're going to pick up in Luke 24 and Acts 1. They record the resurrection of Christ. And so we're calling this the benefits of the resurrection. Anybody need some benefits? You ever take a job and say, hey, what's the benefits on this thing? I need some benefits. Well, let me, I'm going to give you three benefits that Jesus reveals to us this day of the resurrection. And so this story, there's a story of two disciples on the road to Emmaus, which is about seven miles north of Jerusalem. Now, we, these two are not of the 12 disciples, and we know this because one's name is Cleopas. Anybody want to name your children Cleopas? Come on, Cleopas. Let's go. We've got to get to church. Cleopas. And, and so some believe the other one was uh, Peter or John, but we know that's not true because later in this chapter, it, the scriptures say that these two went and reported to the 11. And so I'll explain later why they went from 12. Well, I'll explain you now. 
There was 12, and then there became 11 because Judas went and sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver because he thought that the king should be arising right now. Jesus should be taking over right then. And then when he saw on that Thursday night at supper, he's like, nope, this confirms it. He's not going to be our, our king, our Lord, our leader in this flesh physical. We're not going to rise up and take Roman, so I'm going to take things in my own hands. And that's why. And then he went, he, what happened with that 30 pieces? A field was bought where he hung himself. And so that's why there goes from 12 to 11. And so in this, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus go back and they report to the other 11. Now, remember what I told you in the beginning, two, uh, three uh, ladies had already, women who traveled with Jesus had already gone to the tomb and they saw that it was open. That was Mary Magdalene, that was Joanna, not Gaines, and Mary, and Mary, the mother of James. <laughs> you all with me? All right, and so, and so they're on the road. And so here are the two disciples, and they're going, they're going north to Emmaus, and they're sitting there talking because they, they know Peter went also after the three ladies, uh, sorry, the ladies went and saw that the tomb was open, and then they had actually seen Jesus. He, he appeared, another chapter says, another book says that he appeared as a gardener. And so Peter goes, well, let me check this out for myself. He doesn't see anybody. And then these two disciples on the road to Emmaus are kind of discussing all of this. And, and then Jesus shows up and he goes, hey, God, what are you guys talking about? Why are you so sad? And Cleopas goes, are you, are you a stranger to this space? Like, where have you been the last week? Have you not heard of the events that have taken place? And Jesus says, what things? I mean, playing it cool, right? He's like, what do you know? And so they say, Jesus of Nazareth, he was, he was supposed to be the Messiah, and they hung him on a cross, and then he was supposed to re be resurrected, and now his tomb is empty, but only these ladies have seen him, but nobody else has seen him, so we're kind of curious of what's going on. And then Jesus does something that you need to know is a benefit if you are a disciple, and so in Luke 24, 50, uh, 25, we're going to pick it up, and it says, Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the, the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Verse 27 says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning he himself Jesus. And so expound means to explain. We don't really use that term a lot here, but when you expound something, you are explaining something in further detail, greater detail. So, so you need to know that number one, he explains. You're going to understand why that's a main point. He explains. Jesus himself is going to expound the scriptures. Expound, expand, explain. He's going to bring it to, to deeper revelation. And so in Luke 24, 27, in the NIV, I'm going to show you the translation that brings that home a little bit. Same verse, different translation. Says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, we, we need to catch this more than anything. If you are a disciple, if you believe in Jesus, Jesus will explain the Bible to you. That's good news. Uh, you don't need to know hermeneutics. You don't need to know exegesis and eisegesis, and you're thinking, thank God, I don't even know what that means. Uh, I have explained, though, in the past, eisegesis and exegesis. You don't need to know that. 
you just need to know Jesus. That's really good news. Now, I need to know some hermeneutics and, and exegesis and eisegesis because my role, my job here is to, to not teach you the Bible. What? Yeah, my, not, my job is not to teach you this. My job is to see and recognize as a, as a, as a teacher in the, to the body of Christ, my job is to recognize issues, hardships, hangups, borders, and boundaries that are happening in the church and in culture, and then taking from the scriptures and saying, here's how we apply the word of God to these situations so I can remove hangups from you so that when you then go to the word of God on your own, those, the lens of which we give you of what God's word says can now, you can read through it. Let me give you an example. When legalism starts to rise up. I begin to take from the scriptures how God's grace is all throughout it. And I begin to teach. My job is to teach. I'm removing a boundary, a hang-up, a stumbling block. And I begin to teach from the lens of grace. And when you take the lens of grace into your Bible reading, you start to see and God begins, then Jesus begins to explain the fullness of the word of God according to grace. When you see a critical spirit start to rise up in the world. It's causing division. Then I take from, here's how the word speaks about unity, and you start to take that lens of unity, and as you read through all of the scriptures, you start to see that God is a God of unity, and as followers of Christ, disciples, believers, we too should be deciding beyond what we feel the bonds of unity and responding and behaving according to the bonds of unity in the word of God. And so that's my job is to drive that into, into the, the church so that then you go and Jesus teaches you the Bible. Isn't that good? Like you get to learn straight from Jesus himself. So, uh, so I remove the obstacles through the word of God. Look at this in the message version, same verse, Luke 24, 47. I'm sorry, 27. It says, then he started at the beginning with the books of Moses and went on through all the prophets, pointing out everything in the scriptures that referred to him, Jesus. Isn't that good? Like he says, okay, I'm going to start in the very beginning, and you know, I'm going to start in the very the first five books. And when he's talking, he's talking about scriptures in this place. He's talking about when he talks about Moses, the books of the law. He's talking about the first five books of the Old Testament. We call it the Torah. The Jews, Israel, people of Israel, call it the Torah. It's their books of the law. That's what he's referring to. The prophets are the major and the minor prophets. That's what he's referring to. And then later he'll also add the, the Psalms. And so he takes it, and he, that was their scripture. And, and so when he says in the scriptures, when Paul says in the scriptures, while we're reading in the New Testament, they're pointing back to these scriptures I'm explaining, law, prophets, and then even the Psalms. And so uh, the reason I say that is because when you see uh, you, when you see that, when you start to see, oh, he's talking about the law, or he's talking about uh, the Torah, the, he's talking about uh, some of those uh, Old Testament words or verses and principles, he's talking about the prophets, that's Old Testament stuff. We don't need to worry about that. You, you begin to just turn it off, I don't understand it, I don't get it, I'm not going to pay any attention to it because it's all legalism. That, that's what we've been trained to believe, but it's not the case. It's not the fact. And so Jesus in this place begins to turn their lens around from the lens of law, and he begins to open up the scriptures, and he begins to reveal 
grace through the Old Testament. In fact, he begins to reveal himself all throughout the Old Testament to them. And he may have said something like this. Remember Psalm 22? He says, uh, 16, he says, they pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. Now, this is Old Testament. Long time before Jesus was on the cross that Friday. I can see, I can count all my bones. They took, they look, uh, they look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Isn't that interesting? And so these two disciples on the road to Emmaus, north of Jerusalem, they're sitting there, they're responding. How do you, how do you think they would have responded? Hmm, I never thought about that. Or, that sounds like something that just happened a couple of days ago. That's exactly what, he's opening up the scriptures and bringing revelation to them so that they can understand that what they've been reading is, has been something that's been in the works all along, and it points to himself. I've been reading about Jesus all this time, and I didn't even know it. And so uh, I'm going to give you this. Uh, so you, you got to know, the more you read the Bible, the more you understand it, the more you'll start to see Jesus all through it. And that's what he was doing. He was explaining the scriptures, the Old Testament of the time, and he was saying, hey, the more you dive into this thing, the more I can explain this thing, and the more you realize I've been here the whole time. So my son, he's uh, three years old, and he's on this kick right now, and so we'll be doing something, then all of a sudden he goes, Daddy, 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 we're dudes. Me, you, me, you, you, me, we're dudes. We're two dudes, two dudes. I mean, the cutest thing ever. And sometimes his Lito is there, which is my father-in-law, and he goes, me, you, and Lito, we're three dudes. I'm like, yeah, you're right, we're, we're dudes, buddy. And, and so I say that to say the same dude wrote this whole book. Forty men, 40 men wrote, penned it, but one author wrote it. He wrote it through the penning of 40 men. It's got one dude that's, in, that's responsible that has authority over this entire book from the law all the way to the end of Revelation, there's one dude that shows up all the way through it, and he is full of grace. Hallelujah to that. Amen. The same dude. So, we, so as you're, you're reading this book, here, here's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to enter into that place with you, and he, he wants to say, hey, you remember when you read, remember what you read last week? Notice how that points back to me. Or he says, hey, you remember when you were reading Malachi? Why don't you look at Malachi through the lens of me this time? Or when he says, hey, you remember that psalm? Yeah, it was pointing to me. And because you've, you've been spending time with him, because you're a believer, you're a disciple, all of a sudden he enters in and he begins to expound. He begins to explain what was before confusing to you. And sometimes, sometimes in marriage, we want people to, to, to expound. We want people to expound on things like I'm doing right now. And sometimes in marriage, we want your spouse to expound on things. I'm gonna give you perspective and you're gonna understand this now. And so like, for an example, my wife and I will be driving down the road or we'll be somewhere together and uh, she said something like this. Yeah, uh, she said it would be great for us to come over then. Who? Uh, yeah, I remember we were talking last, last week and, and she said, yeah, this Friday at six is fine. Friday at 6, I got that now. But who? Yeah, we were talking about going over Friday at 6 to having dinner with Tammy. 
Witch Tammy? We don't want to. And so he's like, can you expound that little bit? Can you explain and bring it? You get what I'm saying? And guys, we do the same thing. Be driving down the road and just in the zone thinking about, we're planning the future. And like, yeah, yeah, I think we really should do that. Like it goes both ways. So it's not just a one-sided thing. And so I say that, we do all that, but I'm wondering how many times we're in the word of God and all of a sudden Jesus shows up and he says, yeah, I'd like for you to come over. And he catches you off guard, and you're like, what are we talking about? And then he drops a verse right behind it, and he's saying, yeah, remember the, the supper of the master and the servant and, and the wedding feast? And, and I invited a bunch of prominent people, but they wouldn't show up, and so I had to go out in the street, send my servants out in the street, invite, uh, invite other people. Ooh, you know that's an invitation for something deep that's going to be revelatory and change your heart. And then you hit that, you hear that feeling, I got goosebumps from head to toe, and like, oh, Lord, what's about to happen now? You understand what I'm talking about? That's when Jesus shows up, and he's getting ready to explain some deeper truths. He's not hiding these things. He's asking you to come and enjoy them with him. And so, number one, he explains. Number two, he opens. He opens. The good news is you don't have to go to seminary to understand the Bible. Somebody says, hallelujah. Uh, you just have to meet the resurrected Christ, and he will explain, and then he will open all the law and the prophets and even the Psalms. And look at this. So now the two Emmaus Road disciples go back to the 11 and say, hey, we saw Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus shows up to everybody, and now everybody's seeing him. And then he goes and he says, in Luke 24, 44, says this, then he said to them, please, these are the, sorry, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. He says, and he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Now, this is in the New King James Version. I'm going to show you the NIV and the message version later, later. But understanding is most oftentimes translated as mind. And comprehend is most oftentimes translated as understanding. Let me give you that in the NIV. He says, then, they, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Boy, it's getting good. Question is this, would it be okay with you if Jesus opened the way you think, your mind, and your understanding, so you could understand the Bible? So that when you read a verse of scripture, you don't go away wondering, what was it I just read? Let me tell you, he already has. If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, if you're a disciple, he has already opened up your mind so that you can understand the scriptures. And this is what the resurrected Christ did for all of his disciples. And we are here to be a, a disciples. And so here's the message version of that. Luke 24, 45 says, He went on to open their understanding of the word of God, showing them how to read their Bibles that way, this way. Which way? The way where they see Jesus popping off of, off of every page from Old Testament all the way through the prophets. From the law through the prophets. The way that he, he began to open their minds to understand, like, whoa, we've been looking at you all this time and we've missed you because we've been blinded. I'm going to get to that too. 
So we, we remember we spoke about legalism and grace. And if you don't read the Bible through the lens of grace, then you will never understand it. You'll always think that God is, a, is, a, is an angry God, a legalistic God, and he's just waiting for you to mess up so he can beat you over the head. If you don't read it as a love story of God redeeming a fallen and sinful people, we, we really need to understand this is the importance of falling in love with the whole Bible, not just the New Testament. Think about, the, think about Hosea, the book of Hosea. God tells Hosea, a prophet, he says, listen, I want you to marry a prostitute, this prostitute, Gomer. And, and, and the, so he does. He marries a prostitute. The prostitute obviously leaves, abandons. She's got a lot of wounds. And so she leaves, and he says, no, I want you to go chase after her because I want you to redeem this, keep this marriage. And the whole message that he is saying is a message of grace because he's saying, listen, I want you to be an example of who I am to my people. They're going to continually want to go away, but I want a deep, passionate marriage relationship with my people. And even when they go astray, I'm going to come after them. Isn't that good? Like, that's not legalism. That's grace. But if you think your lens, if your lens is turned on legalism, you'll never see the grace and the love in this, in this story that Jesus has written out for us long ago so that when we encounter him, he can explain it, he can open our minds up to understand it, and then he can empower us with the power of the resurrection. Look at this. So if, you're, if you believe in Jesus, he has opened your mind and you can begin to understand. You can begin to understand the scriptures. But what if you don't believe in Jesus? According to the Bible, then the little, your mind has been blinded by the little g-god of this world, and that's Satan. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4 says this, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe. So if you believe, your mind is open. And you can understand the Bible. But if you don't believe, then the Bible says in Jesus, believe in Jesus, you don't believe in Jesus, the Bible says that your mind has been blinded. You can't understand. When people say and they're arguing things that they don't understand that are in the word and, and they're, re, they're refusing Jesus as a Christ, they're blinded according to the word of God. Satan, the little G God of this world, has blinded them. Their mind has not been opened so that Jesus can explain the scriptures to them. So, okay, so, so God, we know God is never in the business of shaming. And when God shows us a truth like that, it's because as believers, he wants to give us direction and guidance on how to approach scenarios like this. Let me explain. How would you relate to people who don't believe in Jesus? So because their minds are blinded. You with me? How, how should we relate to people who see things differently than we do? How should we relate to people who vote differently than we do? How should we relate to people who think that socialism is the best way to take care of the poor? How should we relate to people who have a different viewpoint than what we do? Should we be angry with them? Should we talk down with them? Should we just ignore them all together? No. The Bible says that an unbeliever is spiritually blind. What if you encounter a, a physically blind person who, uh, who has a little cane, a white cane? How should you treat them? 
What if a, a physically blind person runs into you or talks down to you, how should you treat them? Do you condemn them? Do you mock them? Do you make fun of them? And if, no, what do we do? You treat that person with kindness because he can't see. You tracking with me? How do we treat people with such strong opinions that are anti-Christ, such strong opinions that are anti-biblical? We love them because they are blind. They can't see. So there's no need in getting into an argument with them over something that they can't comprehend or understand and their mind is not ready to absorb and grab a hold of. Tracking? And the only reason you and I can see who are saved in, in this room, who can see the, the, what God has explained, what Jesus has explained, the only reason we can is because we chose to believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and he opens our mi- opened our minds for understanding and comprehension. It was nothing that we did in our own, in our own well-being, our own good efforts. It was all about what Jesus did and what took place this day many years ago. He opened, he's explaining, he's giving understanding. I'll give you some perspective. I had a friend of mine, a guy one time, and he was challenging me in my transition and my growing and in my spiritual development, and he was challenging me on the things of the word of God, and, and uh, he would he even challenge me. He said, yeah, yeah, in the conversation, he was, yeah, but, you know, but he's just going to get upset with me. I'll, I'll be condemned for the things that I do. And I said, wait a minute, let me stop you right there. Jesus just wants to talk about relationship with you. Now, once you have a relationship and he knows it's established, now he might talk about those things that you currently do or you do on occasion, but he's not going to talk about those things until he has developed a relationship with you. And it flips the things because he has been seen and and had experienced the lens of legalism. Oh, because you do this. Oh, because of this. You're going to go to hell. You following me? But Jesus says, I just want a relationship with you. Let's not worry about those things right now. I'm just concerned about your heart. When we get your heart right, we can have a conversation about all all that other stuff. Years later, he comes back around and he says, hey, I just want you to know what you said that time. It changed my viewpoint because I gave my life to Christ. I'm taking my kids to church, and now I see things differently. Come on. That's it. Why don't we just love people towards Jesus and let Jesus open their eyes so he can explain the truth of the scripture? He's a lot better at it than we are anyway. So he explains, he opens, and he blesses. Luke 24, 50 says, and he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. Let me explain this a little bit deeper because a lot of times people say blessed, especially in America, we think finances immediately. But I'm going to give you a better definition. When, when Jesus blesses, uh, it, it's more like all things just start to work out. Like, it, like, okay, finance may be a part of that, but like relationships are better, life is better, I feel fulfilled, I'm finding my flow. It's like even when things don't work out, they're working out. I'll give you an example. Say you, maybe you've been in this situation, you were in a relationship and, and you thought, man, I'm going to marry this person and we're going to live life forever and, and something just happens out of the blue and man, it just goes south and, and, and you break up and it's very heart-wrenching and it's hurtful and man, I wish, I really thought that was going to be it, Lord, why? 
you, Lord. And so you get mad at God for a little while. And then later, years later, you run into that person in the grocery store or you see him on Facebook and you're thinking, thank God that didn't work out. <laughs> right? So, like, oh, man, I was shaking my hand to God. And now years later, I'm saying, thank God that didn't work out. I feel blessed. Now, that, like, that's the definition of blessing. Things just start to work out. And it's like you're in the right place at the right time all the time. Like, this is great. So I know it's humorous, but sometimes, but, but when we're trying, when things just seem to be working out or things just don't work out, I feel like God is saying, that means I'm blessing you. I've got you. It's almost like there's somebody who is planning out your life and your future, and it just seems to work out to your advantage. Isn't that interesting? I wonder how that works. So Jesus walks with the disciples for 40 days teaching them. And right before he ascends, he has to again adjust the disciples' thinking. Now let me ask you this, because as we're believers and, and, and we're, we're following and, and as scripture, he's uh, he is explaining scriptures to us. He opens our minds so we can understand them and he blesses us. Is there anything that a believer can do to stop the flow, this flow of God in our lives? And before you answer, let me just save you some embarrassment. Yes, there is something we can do. And so, again, the disciples are sitting here thinking, hey, is this is now going to be the time? And he's adjusting. Right before he ascends, he adjusts their thinking. In Acts 1, 6 and 8, it says this, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time, at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Like this is, he's like, guys, didn't we talk about this at the Last Supper, like before the Last Supper? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But eight, but verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. These are the disciples, they have been spent, they have spent 40 days with Jesus in his resurrected body. Jesus has explained the scriptures to them. He opened their minds to understanding. He has blessed them from on high with all the power from on high. And then he, they said, Lord, are you going to now let us rule and reign here on earth in this physical realm? Are you going to let us be in charge now? Are we going to overthrow those Roman oppressors? Are you now going to take your throne so we can do this and here's what he said no he says not about building your kingdom it's about building my kingdom and there was one man who used to be with you and he got so focused on building his kingdom Judas was so focused on what he may get or may not get he decided to sell out for 30 pieces of silver and then he had nothing but remorse because he got so focused on his own kingdom. Jesus wasn't gonna do and be and, and bless in the way that he wanted him to and so he took matters into his own hands and that's why there's not the 12 but the 11 at that time. And Jesus says, no, now's not the time and it's not about your kingdom, it's about my kingdom. He says, listen, I'm about to float away and none of you are coming with me right now. Do you wanna know why? Because there's a whole lot of people that are out there in that world and they don't know about the power of the resurrected savior myself. 
And I want to send you out into the ends of the earth so that you can tell them about the salvation that has been paid for on the cross and redeemed with power and, and, and supplied with the resurrection of the empty tomb. They need to know, but they will never know if you're focused on your own kingdom. Ooh. Oh, it's really good. And I, I, what I want you to do is to tell them. And let me tell you what can stop the flow in your own life. Let me tell you what will stop the daily manna, what will, what will cause the water from the rock to begin to cease from flowing. Let me tell you what will stop the rains of heaven in your own life. The same thing that Judas was focused on. And I'm not calling you Judas. I'm saying we can, we can unintentionally begin to get focused on our own kingdoms. And all of a sudden, I can't understand. I don't know why things aren't working out like they used to. And the manna from heaven begins to cease. And now I don't know what is happening in my life, where it went wrong. Let me tell you this right now as a loving kind. And hey, I've been there and it's easy for me to get there too, okay? But I've pastored many people, even in this church right here, who started with the right intentions. And they're like, Lord, please bless me. I want to grow in you because I want to be a blessing to your kingdom. I want to, I want to give back to you. And God, begin, he sees that heart. He challenges it. He, he says, I'm going to begin to show you favor. I'm going to pour blessings upon you. Because as they become disciples, he explains, he opens, and then he blesses. And then they begin to get blessed, and things start to work out really well for them. And then they start to get distracted by it. And now it becomes about the blessing more than it is the blesser. And all of a sudden, now they don't have time for the Lord anymore, and their focus is shifted away from Him. And now things are starting to dry up, and they're having troubles and struggles, and they don't know understand why things aren't working out like they used to. And now they barely even go to church because they've got to keep up with things that are now in their own hands. Y'all feeling me? Just please, please trust it. Please trust it. It's easy for any of us to begin to take that route, take that road, and we end up and we want to blame somebody else for what is our own cause and our own decisions. And let me say this. If the Bible's not jumping off the page to you when you read it, if you don't understand what's going on in life right now, and if you don't feel like everything is working out, you may need to sit in some time with Jesus a little bit and reflect and see, am I building my own kingdom right now in this season of life? And I'm telling you, recourse and change is not far away. The good news is it's all you have to do from that place right there is just, you know what, I repent. Wait a minute, I got sidetracked, I got distracted, I repent. And it's really simple. You have such a loving, graceful God who is pursuing you like Hosea did, Gomer. And he's saying, listen, if you'll just turn your focus back around and you'll just bring that thing back to what we're doing in my kingdom, we can get some explanation, some opening, and some blessings going back yet again. And when I first got saved, man, I just did, I, I couldn't wait to have a conversation with Jesus about Jesus with somebody. I wanted to spend hours. I was talking about it with a, a gentleman from Austin. And when I gave my life to the Lord, I just said, I'm out of here. I'm moving to Austin. And man, I found a circle of people that just loved Jesus and they loved me through all my stuff. And boy, I had a lot of stuff. How many know that just because you come to Christ doesn't mean all the bondage goes away? <laughs> Whew. And I had a lot of stuff, and they loved me anyway. They gave me an example of what Christ does in the flesh. 
And it changed how I saw the world. It changed how I saw life. It changed how I saw other people. And the Bible will just start, if you'll do this, the Bible will just start to leap off the pages, the word of God, seeing Jesus all through it, seeing his love and his grace and his mercy and his story for you, how he's written you into this and he's got some things in there to show you, to change you, to, to redirect you, to, to give value, to help you, to help you connect to purpose so that you can make an eternal difference building his kingdom and not your own. He begins to make a shift. So I want to pray for you. And my wife said in the beginning, that beautiful girl that was leading us in worship, whew, she's something. There she is. We're praying for reconciliation this year. We're praying for restoration in this house this year. Sometimes it's easy to think about the prodigals that are outside of the church. I'm talking about the prodigals inside the church. We're praying for the restoration of spiritual products. And this is not a harsh term. This just means, man, I got distracted. I got focused on the blessings rather than the blesser. Let me just turn my little car around here and go back to the blesser. It's that easy. And we'll pray with you. If you will, heads down, eyes closed. However you want to pray, it doesn't matter. There's no rules to it. But Father, we just repent right now for going away spiritually from your kingdom, your directives, your purpose for our individual lives. Please forgive us for taking life in our own hands, building our own kingdoms. Sorry I got my focus off. I want you to again explain the Bible to me when I read it. I wanna go away having read it and understand it, Lord. Will you open my mind so that I can understand and comprehend. And Lord, I, I want your blessings on my life yet again. Keep your head down, eyes closed. If God's speaking to you on that, would you just raise your hand? Nobody's looking around. It's between you and God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Several people and the rest of you who have yet to become honest. Father, we thank you for this. And I just pray that you just, you, you just talk and speak into the lives of those who are responding to you, whether it's physically or spiritually in the presence, in your presence right now, who are lifting that spiritual arm and saying, yes, Lord, that's me. Online, yes, Lord. Even in your living room, wherever you are, in your car, if you're just raising your hand right now, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And if you're here today and you've yet to become a, a believer, a disciple, giving your life over to Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you. Let me lead you in a prayer. Lord, today, I repent for going my own way. And I wanna thank you for the forgiveness. Please forgive me for my unrighteous path. I need help. And I'd like for you to open up the scriptures to me so I can find your help. I believe that you were killed on the cross buried for three days and rose again a day just like this a little over 2,000 years ago. And I declare right now, you as my Lord and Savior. Here's the best part, here's the best part, here's the best part. Holy Spirit, would you fill me up so that I can live 
this empowered life according to your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Can somebody like Jesus give us a good amen and amen. Hey,